Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Crisis Conversations live from the Better Life Lab. We started these conversations at the beginning of this pandemic to try to understand how it was affecting how we work and live and care, what we expect from each other and business and the government. And now that it continues on and on, we're looking at what are we learning? What is it exposing in the cracks in our system? And how can we emerge from this better and stronger? So today we're going to be talking about paid sick leave. The United States is one of the only countries in the world that does not guarantee all workers have paid sick leave. There was an emergency bill that Congress passed earlier, which requires more employers to offer paid sick leave. And yet there are a number of exemptions and it doesn't cover everyone. And so uh, the other day I was talking to Marilyn Washington. She is a home health aide in San Antonio, Texas, and her employer chose not to offer paid sick leave. And because of the exemptions, she's not covered. She's a health worker, and the new emergency legislation leaves out health workers as well as the employees of large companies, grocery store workers, delivery workers, and the restaurant workers, and all the people that we've come to rely on as essential. So I asked Marilyn, how did that make her feel? Make you feel like you just, we're not worth it. Uh, You know, like, uh, oh, well, you know, it just make you feel like, hey, we out there going to make sure someone else to take care of people that are sick to make sure that they'll be able to, you know, to do since they can't do for themselves, that we have to go out there and do it. But, oh, well, if we get sick, you know, it's like, oh, well, hmm. you know, that that's your job as a healthcare worker. You have to go out and take care of the people. Even if it means you're risking your own health and, and, you know, potentially your own life. Yes. And that's, mm. how, that's how it makes you feel. I was like, I tell them, I said, they don't even give us masks. I said, they, they don't even give me gloves. I don't even have gloves, you know. But I made sure myself had gloves. I went and brought me two boxes of gloves and the hand sanitizer. And the wow. guy that I worked for, he was saying, they should have gave you gloves. They didn't get, I said, no. I said, but I, I brought me two boxes of gloves. So we have Marilyn with us today. She's in between two different patients that she takes care of. Marilyn, talk a little bit about what is that like, the decisions that you have to make uh, in terms of whether you go to work or not if you get sick. Well, it's pretty hard to work especially when you're sick and you don't want to be around your patients sick because they already have a problem and it makes it kind of hard and it just feel like, oh, well, they don't care about their, their health care work, workers. Mm. And we'll, we'll always on time, no matter what. And to give you an example, I fell in April of last year and was very, and hurt myself but I couldn't take off. I had to continue on to work. Mm. I worked all the way up until my left eye started to go like blind, like something was wrong with it. Wow. And I called the doctor. When I did that, they had to do an emergency surgery on my eye because it was blood behind it. It was a thing busted in the back of my left eye. Wow. And I had went from April all the way up until I think it was about the 1st of June when I realized my eye was bothering me so bad. I had to go ahead and take off. Did they offer me any money? No. 
They didn't offer anything. Everything come out of my pocket. My medicine was expensive. First two times I had to pay like $80. Yeah. That was for one medicine. And then once they, I had the surgery, stuff that I have to use for my eye is like $35 for a little bottle of eye drops that I have to use for the rest of my life. And it yeah. just feel like they, it doesn't matter to them. So when I called her and told them I'm going to have to have surgery, and she told me, okay, well, be sure to let us know when you release. So that lets you know that they really don't care about the health care workers. Thank you for sharing your story, Marilyn. Let me go over to, to Jody and, and talk with you. So Jody Heyman, she's the director of the World Policy Analysis Center at UCLA. Um, Jody, you've just come out with a groundbreaking new report looking at paid sick leave around the world. What did you find and how, you know, how does Marilyn's experience, uh, you know, would she have that same experience in other countries? Thanks, Bridget. And Thanks so much, Marilyn, for sharing that. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear how they're treating you. I think it makes such a difference you're sharing that experience with everybody because it really brings home what's so exceptional and not in a good way about the United States. Nearly every other country around the world guarantees paid sick leave at a countrywide level. We studied 192 countries, 181 of them. They all provide paid sick leave. And these are all the top economies, but they're also low, middle, high-income countries. And I think it especially comes home when we hear this about our healthcare workers, our grocery store workers. This is affecting the daily lives of everyone, and it's affecting the daily lives of people providing essential services. It affects the health of individuals. It also affects the spread. It's part of why the pandemic is so bad in the United States. Is that because, you know, as you're saying, workers are basically forced to choose, if I feel ill, you know, you want them to be able to stay home so that they don't spread the illness. And yet, if they have to choose between not being able to pay rent or, you know, not not being able to afford to take that day off. It makes it a very impossible choice for a lot of people. Exactly. So right now in the United States, we're making people make impossible choices where neither is a real choice. Go to work sick, make your own health worse, maybe spread it to other people, but you're almost expected to go to work sick. That is just not the case in the rest of the world. In fact, the most successful countries, they all provide paid sick leave to everyone. Hmm. So, Jolene, let me turn over to you. Again, I'm turning at my, my screen to, to where your little box is on my Zoom call. So, Jolene, uh, you are a community organizer with the Texas Organizing Project. You talk a lot to a number of different workers what are you what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are they experiencing? I mean, do some have paid sick leave and they can make a choice to stay home easier? Do others not have it? What are you seeing on the ground? We've talked with call center workers here in San Antonio. We've also talked with waitresses. I'll, I'll give you an example. One of our um, leaders at Texas Organizing Project is Kevin. Um, he works at the AT&T Center. Um, he doesn't have paid sick leave. And so when the NBA shut down our you know, local franchise, he was out of a job. 
you know, he was uh, working on that limited income. So he's uh, frequenting the food bank. Mm-hmm. But um, other folks like uh, who still are going to work, uh, call center workers were required to go to work. And um, they uh, found out in one of them that there was a, an employee with COVID-19. And that unit started to get additional employees coming down with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And um, the company, all the company did was said that they were cleaning doing extra cleaning and the employees themselves, they're not feeling taken care of Mm -hmm. Uh, without paid sick leave. um, Many of these workers, many of these working families are forcing themselves to go to work, even though they may not feel a hundred percent well, because we can't afford to miss our rent check, you know, our Mm -hmm. rent payment. Uh, We can't afford not to take care of our families. And if we do get sick, it's a like a double whammy. You know, we have medical bills uh, and we are also forced to take, you know, to take days off um, because we can't, um, our work is not covering our salary while we're out. So it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult as a, um, you know, in a low wage town that San Antonio is, we're one of the poorest large cities in this country. And we are, I feel like on the front lines of this pandemic with so many low-wage workers and so many families who are impacted at the worst, in the worst level, you know, Mm. Black uh, families and Brown families, Latino families are often the ones, we're the ones that are working these uh, jobs. So, you know, Jolene, if I could stay with you, when I was talking with Marilyn, you know, Marilyn also lives in San Antonio. And my understanding is, like many, uh, well, not that many, um, you know, because we don't have a national policy, there are some cities that have passed their own paid sick leave laws, you know, and they'll say like restaurant workers uh, or restaurant owners are actually uh, behind it in many cases. It's like, look, I don't want my workers coming to work and sneezing on other people and getting my customers sick, that that's just, it's not good for my workers. It's not good for my customers. It's not good for my business. So that you have uh, local businesses who are behind it. Some states have passed paid sick leave laws. So I understand that that's happening in Texas, that there have been local, you know, Dallas and San Antonio that have passed paid sick leave laws. But what's happening with them? Why is Maryland still not covered? Well, uh, the industry lobby groups have put forth a, a lawsuit. So they don't have money to pay their employees, right? That's their claim. Um, But yet they have funds to spend on expensive lawsuits that then have stopped our paid sick leave laws in Texas. So although residents in San Antonio, hundreds, over 100,000 residents uh, pushed and signed a petition to get it passed in San Antonio, the industry lobby groups, including the restaurant uh, industry, the temp agencies, um, and uh, the manufacturers, they all came together and they put forth a lawsuit that then the courts created an injunction on our, our current paid sick leave law. Mm-hmm. So right now we're without paid sick leave, many, many families, and it's uh, over 4 million families in Texas alone that wow. are working hard without paid sick leave. 
Wow. So Marilyn, let's go back to you. I know that I, I think you said you were sitting in your car <laughs> waiting for your next patient to, you know, who needs you. Um, can you, you were talking a little bit yesterday when we were talking that, you know, you have these, these patients that you care an awful lot about, but that you're also the breadwinner for your extended family. So now that we're in the middle of this pandemic, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, the previous fall that you took and how you kept going to work. But, you know, what's that like now with the pandemic raging when, you know, who knows who's infected and, you know, who knows what will happen? I mean, and you yourself, you, you're 71 years old. So you're in that high risk category yourself. It makes me feel a lot worse, stress, because I feel like I don't want to stop working because the patients that I work for, they really need me and. I would feel like I would be putting them down if I just stopped. And then I have my family to think about also, because I have both of my brother and my older sister, both of them are sick, and I watch, I take care of both of them. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure that everything is well with them. So not to bring problems home to them, I don't think, I don't say very much, but this uh, epidemic has got me so stressed out because I worry about coming home. What if I got it? And I give it to them. Mm. And plus, I have a one-year-old that we take care of. And I have to think about all of that when I come home. I have to think about it. I make sure my mask is on all day. I make sure that I clean my house, my hands, and everything is, is clean. Yeah. But it's still a lot of stress on you because yeah. you got, I have, I have the people that I'm dedicated to to go see to them. And then I have my family that I'm dedicated to not to take no virus into the home because they're already sick. Yeah. Well, and it you, leaves a lot of stress on you. Jody, let's go back to you. Um, you know, uh, again, when you've looked around the world, is there any kind of association that you have found with countries that offer paid sick leave or comprehensive policies and spread of the disease? So the countries like the United States, like Italy, which while it had paid sick leave, it didn't have it from the first day. These are countries where there's a more explosive pandemic. Paid sick leave alone is not enough to stop the spread, but it's an essential component because people just can't stay home without it. Mm. You know, so so with this emergency legislation that Congress passed, you know, it does offer starting April 1st, started offering 10 days of paid sick leave to people who worked for companies of less than 500 employees. So if you worked for a larger employee, you were out, uh, a larger employer, you weren't covered. Um, it also enables small employers to uh, petition to opt out, um, you know, if they can prove that it's an economic ha- uh, going to be a, a hardship for them. So to that point, to, to firm size, um, I'd love to bring in uh, my colleague Haley Swenson at this point. She's the deputy director of the Better Life Lab. What are you finding in, in tracking some of these largest employers that, that have been exempted from paid sick leave? Um, what we've been noticing as we're tracking these companies that are exempted from the emergency sick days uh, legislation that passed in April, no, I'm sorry, late March, um, is that a lot of the companies that are employing mostly low-wage workers, service workers, interacting with the public, of course, where contagion and spread are um, problems not just for the workers, but for the customers who are relying on them. 
the, the companies that are voluntarily offering a policy, there's a real shortcoming to them, which is that most of them are requiring doctor's confirmation mm. uh, that it's a COVID-related absence. Um, and as we know, with testing so um, uh, slow and lackluster um, and insufficient and the fact that so many Americans don't have access to uh, regular medical care, I think there's a real concern that that's almost impossible for workers to get. And so if you need that kind of doctor's note before you can stay home, uh, that it's going to actually uh, prevent you from being able to use the policy, even if it's written on the books. And, you know, I think a lot of white collar workers would be pretty insulted by their employers requiring a doctor's note before they could take a sick day. Like, right. I mean, it just seems like red tape that is, to me, built on a, a sort of prejudiced idea that, that low-income workers would abuse this system with no evidence that that's the case. Yeah. You know, uh, let me go back to Jolene. It looked like you you were wanting to jump into the conversation. Can you talk about what's happening in, in Texas? You're one of the states where everybody's eager to open up now, right? That's right. And uh, on the point of, you know, abusive paid sick leave, uh, we find that uh, employees really are judicious about when they use their paid sick leave. They oftentimes don't use all of it. And some don't use any at all. They're saving it up for emergencies and they're saving it up for times when they are sick or when they have to take care of their child. So um, that's, you know, the abuse of paid sick leave is something that the facts don't bear that story out. And uh, in Texas, unfortunately, the um, governor, Greg Abbott, was very eager to open up our state. And um, and really um, his, the people he he really listens to are business owners who are putting um, the lives of working families on the front lines. So we're opening up restaurants and nail salons, and we're opening up um, all kinds of, um, you know, industry across the state. And we do not have uh, the protection of paid sick leave mm. here in the state of Texas. And uh, what the result is, is we're continuing to see um, the infection rates rise. And we're also knowing that we're not prepared as a state to handle the healthcare crisis that may result from this and that our families are hurting the most. We're, we are the ones who are least able to quarantine because we are forced to go out and in, into work and potentially bring this back. And we also face um, difficulties with childcare. If yeah. uh, our families are out there having to, um, to work and our schools are closed down as they are, then um, one of our, our members who's also a a care provider said she had to make a difficult decision uh, to leave the older, you know, 12 and 14 year olds in charge of the younger ones at home mm, yeah. because the schools were closed and she still had to go to work. We're just faced with so many inhumane choices here in Texas. Really, our lives and our families are on the front lines without paid sick leave. And if we do not consider the majority of the state, then our state is still going to suffer economically. Uh, our health is going to suffer. And, uh, you know, our families right now are doing without food on the table. And mm -hmm. it's not going to get better to open up before we're ready and before we've taken care of each other's health. Right. And, you know, and you make a really good point that in, in the case of the worker who had to leave her children with her, you know, her, her children who were, not, who were not so old, workers who worked for large employers were also exempted from 
the emergency paid family leave law so that you would be able to take time away from work if you had, if your children's schools were closed or their childcare centers were closed. Well, the same people who are exempted from paid sick leave, who are a lot of the same communities that we've been talking about, they're also exempted from paid family leave. So they do not have that either. So at this point, let me let me turn back to you, Marilyn. Um, you know, you're you're on the front lines of this every day. Um, you know, as you think about this, what is it that you would hope for? What is it that you hope that we learn from all of this? And how can we make this better for all workers? I was hoping and praying that they would learn, that they would do something to get together and think about the low working class people like me. They look at us just as home health providers, but we just like the nurses at the hospital. We go in, they sick, we take care of them, we worry about them, we do what we can for them, and we try to make them as comfortable. And when we go in, we try not to show, we don't show no kind of stress or upset to upset them. But I'm praying that the government look at it and give us paid sick leave. They have to understand that we're putting our life on the line just like anybody else. Well, thank you so much for for that, Marilyn, and thank you to all of the panelists today. Uh, Jody, thank you for the amazing research that you continue to do. Jolene, thank you so much for sharing the stories of so many workers in, in Texas. And Marilyn, it was delightful to speak with you again today. Thank you so much. Um, next week, we'll be talking more about home health. And we'll be talking, actually, it'll be a hopeful story that the state of Washington is doing some very interesting things to make sure that, that workers like Marilyn are valued and that these are good and decent jobs that we all rely on. As people say, I think Ai-jen Poo says it well, this is the work that enables all other work to be done. Um, thank you all so much for being part of these conversations. Uh, wash your hands, take good care, and we'll see you next week.